When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Manchester United begin a manic eight days with progression to the Europa League final. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first as United manager and a comeback victory at Aston Villa. With further protests against the Glazer ownership scheduled for Thursday night's rescheduled home game against Liverpool, there is plenty to talk about once again. Welcome back to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, where we'll be talking a few different things. Mason Greenwood becomes United's greatest teenage scorer in Premier League history. Edinson Cavani hits a fifth goal off the bench of the season. Bruno Fernandes matches a Frank Lampard record and comes close to equaling Robin Van Persie's one-season tally of 30 goals. In the middle of the show, you'll get your youth loan and women's roundup as Casey Stoney's side wrap up their season by finishing fourth. The under-18s hit eight against Middlesbrough and the under-23s gear up for another game against Derby County. Jack, let's start with Villa. Ten times we've come from behind to win this season now, picking up a quite ridiculous 31 points from losing records, from losing positions, sorry. And it, it, it is a league record. Um, and I mean... We've said it so many times, we can't keep doing this and yet we do. We keep doing it time and time again. What we can say is is what the players and the, the coaching staff say as well, is that we don't. this isn't a, an ideal situation to be in. Nevertheless, it shows good character and, and good ability to respond to these situations when it does happen time and time again. Without a doubt, it's not something that I think we or the, the players and staff want to, to keep repeating. I'm sure there's been... You know, numerous conversations within Carrington, within the squad, about how we can stop starting games so poorly. And to be fair, against Villa, actually, it was one of our better starts in away games, especially. We did dominate the game and Villa's goal really came from nothing. We could have been 1-2-0 up after 10-15 minutes. So this was a little different. I I said, I can't remember after which game, but after a game not so long ago, I'm just going to stop saying that we can't keep doing this because I've been saying that all season. And thought that the the luck would, I I don't even think it's luck actually, but thought that the run would would catch up to us eventually and and it doesn't show any signs of doing so. So maybe next season will be uh, when that happens. But I'm I'm just going to stop worrying about it for now. Um, But yeah, I mean, you have to give credit to the team. Yet again, showed a lot of calmness, I think, under pressure. And I think actually there was a lot of pressure on this game. You know, despite the fact that Leicester and Spurs both had poor results on Friday and Saturday respectively, Going into this game, I think we were under quite a lot of pressure. You know, there is, I think, a at halftime in the, in the Villa game being 1-0 down, there was a a not-too-unrealistic scenario that we would be dragged back into a fight for, thir- for third and fourth, with Chelsea playing very, very well. West Ham was still to play after us if, if West Ham had, yeah. had won their game. You know, I think we would have only been three or four points above fourth place at that point. So the, the fight would, would have been very, very close at that point and a very different story to what we're seeing now. So full credit to the team for staying calm and for coming out and putting in a very, very good second half performance. Yeah, I think what's also important is having lost to Roma and we'll talk about that game a little bit um, later, but having lost to Roma, we were then faced with the scenario where, as you say, I think we actually started well, we started brightly and and we should have scored in that 
early period of domination, we had enough chances to do so. And then we go behind to a, a screamer from Traore, but also poor defending from uh, a whole string of players. But we were in a scenario at half time where we're looking at losing two games in a row, then knowing that we're going to have to rest players and put out a quite significantly weakened 11 against Leicester potentially lose that then you're looking at three and then suddenly you're against Liverpool who remain a very good team and it's a a, a derby and a crucial match and you're thinking four losses in a row this is a United team that hasn't really lost this season three of our Premier League losses there's been four in total came in the first I think five or six games to Palace Spurs and uh, I forget the the third one and then Sheffield United recently, and there's been other defeats. There's There's been defeat to Leicester City in the FA Cup, um, to Manchester City in the League Cup semi-final. But as a United fan, I think that, and think this will translate to the playing staff as, as well. We've got into a situation where losing feels very strange. And so obviously the Roma game was in, it, in and of itself a defeat, but in the wider context of things didn't matter. We haven't had that gutting feeling of defeat except for Leicester and Sheffield United really in kind of five months. So then you're thinking two losses in a row, including an important game in the Premier League, that's going to have a mental impact. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've lost two games in the Premier League since November the 1st against Arsenal. Now, I think, I think we actually kind of lose sight of that in some yeah. ways because we've been on this such a great run and it feels normal. And despite the fact that we've been on such a great run, you know, we've had some disappointing results and disappointing draws. The performances haven't always been you know, at their best. Yeah. But I mean, losing one once in the league since November and we're now in the middle of May is is quite a serious achievement. Yeah, it is. I do want to talk about, because this week it's it's really felt like, it's, it's interesting because the, the first half of the season, you're looking at two players without a doubt who have carried United and that would be Marcus Rashford and Bruno Fernandes who consistently dragged United over the line in games where we were poor or were kind of centre to a good team performance. Both of them have, have faded slightly due to injury, fatigue, but also just out of form. And that's that's fine. Obviously, it's important as a team to have those substitutes to come in. I think if you look at this season, the arc of the season has been Bruno and Rashford were the, the key players for the first four or five months. When they fell out of form, it kind of fell upon... Luke Shaw to be the side's main creator and also a defensive linchpin at the back. Now, the last three weeks, I guess since the win against Spurs, where Cavani had the air of a man who felt very aggrieved by the first half and just dominated the second half, which was incredibly satisfying. Since then, it's been Cavani, El Matador and Mason Greenwood, the the apprentice, the kid who have stepped up. And I think that's kind of been my feeling of the last two weeks is those two are at the centre of, or should be at the centre of discussion about United. And, and they've been fantastic to watch. The the contrast in their styles is is massive, but you do get the sense that Greenwood is learning off Cavani and you, you see it with a, some of his runs and, and some of his um, attacking actions. But Cavani is just, I think everyone's just in love with him, aren't they? They are, and, and rightly so, to be honest. <laughs> I, the person I'd add to that group with Cavani and Greenwood would also be Paul Pogba as well. I think he's been, you know, massively, massively influential in the last few months, really since that Milan second leg. You know, yeah. he has been one of the key cogs driving us forward. But no, I mean, Cavani has been, you know, he's been phenomenal. There's no other word for it. I remember I saw a a compilation yesterday, um, I think about Bruno Fernandes actually, and it included his assist to Cavani for his first goal for United at Goodison Park way back in, 
would have been September, October, I, I imagine. And I remember thinking then, and he, when he'd come on a few times in games, not been given a huge amount of chances. And I think we were all a little bit worried that this could be another sort of Falcao situation, a striker that we all love and want to succeed, but it doesn't quite work out. And then to think what we thought about that signing then, and, you know, I think most of us thought that it was a bit of a panic signing and probably wouldn't contribute that much to the team this season. To now think where we are today and May 10th, as we're recording this, that he is arguably alongside Fernandez and Maguire, probably maybe our most important player at the moment. We look a completely different side when he's on the pitch. Yeah. I, I mean, the movement that he, that he produces week in, week out is unbelievable. The, his, I think his goal against Villa was a perfect summation of Edinson Cavani as a striker. Yeah, He's not actually, I don't think, the best finisher you'll see. No, he I misses agree. quite and, a lot of good Roma chances. was an example Yeah, exactly. I mean, same thing against uh, Villa in the build-up to his goal. You know, he missed, he completely scuffed an effort from Pogba when he um, got the ball out on the left. Uh, but it's it's then the way he reacts and that movement for Rashford's cross. I mean, he's he's moving, making that run across Matty Cash before Rashford has even taken a first touch to get the ball out yeah. of his feet. And he can see the run. He can see the ball that needs to be played. That's and the also difference, it just, I think. And it summed up his game It just perfectly. makes Rashford's mind up for him. Rashford doesn't then have to look up yeah. and pause and think or whatever. He just sees the run and has, he knows he has to play the ball because he knows if that ball's right... Is going on to Cavani's head. And I was actually watching a, uh, just before we recorded BT Sport and I think Rio Ferdinand was hosting a conversation with Rashford and Rooney about United's past and present. And they were analysing some of his goals and they were showing the clip of Rashford assisting Mason Greenwood against Liverpool, the massive crossfield ball in the FA Cup. Um, I can't remember which round, I guess fifth, fourth round. Um, that Hollywood diagonal ball across the thing. And Rashford actually said, that's that's kind of simple. And he'd be really annoyed with himself if he couldn't make that pass because that that's a really simple goal. It's just one pass and then Greenwood's got a one-on-one chance to finish. And he said, in training, you'd make that pass 10 out of 10 times. So if you're not making it in a match, you're going to be fuming with yourself. And I think that's what's interesting. I kind of... I then thought about the Cavani goal against Villa and you think, well, again, you just need to find Cavani's head. And for a, for a footballer of Rashford's quality, and this is him saying it himself, he knows he has to make that that pass or that cross, whatever you want to call it. And so it does become simple. If, if, if Cavani can have that just world-class level of movement, the game becomes simpler for the people playing around him. And that's, he's just a joy to watch. But also I, I, I just, he would have that level of adoration at Old Trafford. And this is why I'm, we'll come on to his future, but it seems like he, he's going to be staying for another year, uh, a decision which didn't look like it would be the case a few weeks ago. It seems like he'll be sticking around. And I'm just so pleased because I there is that, I think as football fans, we turn into kind of, we turn back into kids when we see a great number nine. Yeah, it's different with with other players, I think. But everyone knows that number nines are so hard to come by. And watching a good number nine, that, that it's it's such an art form. And Cavani just does it so well. And I, I think it makes when he's playing well. And, and this is, I mean, we're so fickle. A few weeks ago, we were thinking, oh, he's he's got his head. Um, he's thinking about Boca Juniors already, and he's not playing well enough. And I think before that Spurs game, everyone would be saying, well, well, he's not really putting the 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 effort in here. Obviously, we didn't know what was going on behind the scenes. And then suddenly this eruption of form at the perfect time when Fernandez is dropped off, when Rashford is is still contributing, but not in the same way. 
it's 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 fantastic and and now you think now he is the matador he is and and it's funny the arc that we've all gone through i think with cavani like i said back in september october i mean i saw a poll on twitter the other day from way back when he signed and admittedly this wasn't united fans but he was voted the worst signing of of the summer <laughs> and although we won like in the premier league and although we won you know, subscribing to that, uh, I think, theory on him. I, I think a lot of us were slightly surprised and not particularly optimistic. I remember we having conversations, Harry, saying that, yeah, you know, Cavani's a good striker, he'll probably help this season, but it's a bit of a red flag that it's, you know, being a free agent the entire summer yeah. and no other team was was in for him. And it's funny how that arc has, has moved since then. I think the first couple of months, I was certainly worried and I think a lot of United fans were worried that this was going to turn into another signing that, Looked great on paper and it's a player we all wanted to succeed but wasn't actually going to come off. He then, you know, started to put in a few good performances here and there. Obviously, the Southampton away game being the big one where he completely dragged us back into that game. Yeah. And then we all wanted him to start every week and, and it started to happen when Martial got injured and there were some good performances but still inconsistent around sort of February, March. But it's, it's really the last six weeks or so he is just taken over this team he really has and he's started to take over games and I I think there's something so glorious about watching a number nine with the movement that Cavani has because like you said he he forced Rashford to put it there really in that situation against Villa and it was it's happened numerous times this season it was the same his his goal against Southampton the uh, the winning goal reminded me of it as well because you could see him making that run across the defender and it was Rashford on that occasion too. You, you knew where Rashford had to put the ball. And it it's a joy to watch as a fan when you watch in, whether in the stadium or on TV, you can see where the player needs to put the ball because Cavani makes it so obvious. It's not as if it takes someone with the vision of Bruno Fernandes or Kevin De Bruyne to, to find the pass. Yeah. Cavani just makes it so obvious, but the movement is so good. It's impossible to defend and it's, it just it makes the, the picture so clear for both the players and the fans. And there's something, there is something amazing about watching that happen. I yeah, think. we better move on to Mason Greenwood in a second, but there is a, there's just an absolutely outstanding piece in the latest United We Stand by CT. Um, it's the, the, the front page of the magazine and it's 100% worth buying this issue just for it. And I don't want to nick too much of it because it's so good and you need to go and read it. But it just talks about Cavani just being this just incredible man and how there's this this manliness to him without managing to creep into the usual toxic masculine bullshit and he'd host a brilliant barbecue in Asado and he'd be pulling out cold beers and uh have his 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 kind of leather apron on um and there's one description of him which calls him an Italian underwear model crossed with an Easter Island statue it's very easy to just become obsessed with Cavani because he has that kind of air of that mysterious air about him of a, of a proper number nine, a Cantona-esque uh, mystique about him. But Mason Greenwood, maybe kind of the opposite, really, the the teenager who is, I mean, if you think about his season, started off under a massive pressure for what was undoubtedly a mistake on England duty, but was basically thrown under the bus by Gareth Southgate, who didn't really protect him and Phil Foden enough in my opinion. Solskjaer did his best, but couldn't comment on it for a while, uh, even though I think, you know, it could have done more on that front. But they've since protected him fantastically. He also had the personal loss of a friend, a Manchester, ex-Manchester City Academy player who, um, who who passed away. 
and then had not the most amazing form in the United team that wasn't playing very well, but has since started to, I mean, I think it's 11 goals for the season now for, for Mason and, and that's a, a another very good return. And this is two full seasons in the United team, two very solid returns. And we said, I don't know how many weeks ago now, because time has lost all sense of value in, in the last year. But we were saying after certain games a few weeks ago that it was only a matter of time before Groomer's goals were coming because you could see him, his his involvement in general play had just improved so much. And now it is turning to goals, which he's he's fully deserved. And I mean, just what an absolute star boy. The, the greatest teenage goal scorer in United's Premier League history. That's some achievement. I remember exactly when that, discussion was that we were saying that Greenwood's performances were were good and the goals would come. It was just before the defeat to Leicester in the FA Cup because he did end up scoring in that game. And it was just before that when we'd been, when we'd been saying the performances are there. You know, Greenwood's general play was very good. He was getting himself into very good positions. He looked much more confident and comfortable on the ball. He was having a much bigger influence on games in the lead up to, to that Leicester, Leicester defeat. That was when he finally got his goal and then we went on the international break and he's come back from that international break and just absolutely hit the ground running. I mean, he's been sensational. He really has. And I think what's great to see about Greenwood is just how how many different types of goals he's starting to score. You know, every, every week there's something different from him, whether it's been a bit more of a classic number nine and been a bit more of a poacher or this classic low backlift shot that he's completely mastered now I mean that is his trademark already I think we we love players that have trademarks in their play for for me with Rooney it was always cutting in from from the left and and looking like he's going to shape it to the far post and dragging it back to the near post he scored so many goals like that catching keepers out whether it was Van Persie and the the silky way that he he struck the ball and his Mm. sort of finesse in the way that he played for Greenwood it is already this this ability to just shoot ridiculously early in in a lot of cases. I mean, the, the Aston Villa goal wasn't as early as some of the other shots that he's taken, but even then he was off balance. Most strikers would have taken another ch- touch and allowed the defender to get back tight to him. But as soon as he gets half a yard of space, he wants to take on a shot. Yeah, And I, it's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful trait to have because it not only catches goalkeepers by surprise, and so therefore it means their positioning isn't great, just like Emmy Martinez for his goal against Villa. But it also means they're much more likely to spill the ball. And it almost happened in the first half that, that one of Greenwood's shots, really from an angle where I don't think many players would have shot, he was running down the side of the, of the defence. But Martinez parried it, it hits concert and almost went in for a, a goal and Pogba was almost there for the rebound. Yeah. It's those kind of moments that Greenwood's willingness to shoot creates. I mean, he's, he's just fun to watch, isn't he? And yeah. re- really when you, we think about what football is, why we love it. We, we want to have fun. We want to be entertained and enjoy watching it. And there are a few players that are more fun to watch for me than Mason Green. Yeah, and, and he celebrates with the air of a, a kid who just has always lived United and is, yeah. is loving scoring goals. And that's exactly, I mean, that's... I mean, it's, it's not exclusive to academy graduates, but there is... Celebrations go up a notch when it's a... a kind of a long lifelong United supporter scoring the goals whether it's Odin Agalo coming and joining at 31 or Mason Greenwood coming through at 17, 18, 19 it's still the same but I think that that ability to shoot early as far as I am aware is just from playing up age groups throughout his career or throughout his youth career 
someone who knew the family told me that his dad used to take him to cages in Moss Side just so he'd get kicked the shit out of, which means you just have to shoot earlier. And then United managed him really well. We, we spoke about this in the, the making of Mason Greenwood special we did um, last summer, which you can go back and listen to if you haven't already. But in there, it talks about, yeah, playing in, in cages in Moss Side at, at United, Paul McGuinness and Tony Whelan and coaches like that always encouraged plays inside the cage. And so you'd get kids like Marcus Rashford playing with a few people a few years above, like Jesse Lingard and Paul Pogba, as well as kids a few years below, like Mason Greenwood. And, and that carries on and on, which is partly why the relationships between age groups are good, but also means as well as the kind of sanitised football development you get on a really pristine pitch at United's Carrington training ground and indoors at the cliff, you also get this more street football thing where you are forced to shoot early. You're forced to cut out the needless skills and to introduce the ones that will get you past the man. And that is what you see with most of the players that come through the United Academy. And that's that mixture. And I know it's something that Nick Cox, who's head of Academy now, um, and has been for a couple of years, also thinks about and Nicky Butt, who's now left. But the, the philosophy at United is making sure you've got that mix of of sanitised youth football, but also still those elements of, of street football. And I think Greenwood is is testament to the the benefits of that in that 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 trademark early finish, as you've explained. Uh, the the benefits of it is is fantastic. And just to wrap up on on our two strikers who are in form. Cavani coming to Mason Greenwood support in Italy against Roma just filled me with joy. And, and it made me think because Greenwood's just a little bit younger than me or um, just over a year younger than me. And I just thought having grown up watching Edison Cavani for, for Napoli and for PSG, imagine being Mason Greenwood and, and you're playing in the Europa League in the Stadio Olimpico. And then you look behind you and you've got into a little bit of a pickle and Edison Cavani is charging over to come to your defence. That would be something pretty special. Yeah, I mean, it felt it felt almost like a, a lion protecting their, their cub, you know, when they've sort of wandered off somewhere. It was a, a really joyous moment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Cavani, that is sort of what he's like, isn't it? He is a bit of a lion, I think, in in the way that he plays the game. And I think Cavani for me is is... 150 years ago, Cavani would be astride uh, a noble steed as a, yeah. a gaucho in Uruguay, strolling around the Uruguayan countryside. And he'd be the kind of man who could stroll around the whole of Uruguay and draw respect from from all people he encountered. That sounds like a great uh, a great idea for a movie, Harry. You should pitch that to, to Cavani after he retires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I, what I also love about that pairing is uh, I hope we look back in a, in a few years' time when Greenwood's hitting 30 goals a season and think that was this was his mentor and that Cavani's had another great season at United and, and won a couple of trophies. Yeah. But I love the fact that Cavani doesn't speak English. He, he will now have picked up certain elements, but... Greenwood is big. Greenwood and Rashford and and Greenwood spoke about this after the game as well. Him, Rashford, Ahmad Diallo as well, and I imagine uh, Shuratire and and a few of the others are all learning from Cavani. And yet this guy doesn't speak the same language, <laughs> so th- th- he is basically just teaching them just through what he does. And and I mean that happens with all sorts of players and at, at every club is people pick up things. Uh, so much of kind of football mentoring is not done through 
words and through instructions and through video analysis. It is just done by watching them. And Greenwood said he just, like he came off on, on Sunday against Villa, Cavani replaced him and he just got to watch Cavani play. And, and that is, is completely invaluable. But it is an interesting part of that relationship that he doesn't speak English and it, it is all just through watching him do his stuff. Um, we should wrap up on the, the Villa game. There's not much to say about the Roma game. other than, I mean, the two things to say, in terms of bigger picture, United have qualified for the, have finished in the top four again. That's now confirmed after Everton beat West Ham with that Calvert-Lewin goal uh, a little bit later than United beat Villa. So top four finish confirmed. I think if we get four points from the next two, then second place will be confirmed. And that comes and four days after. still off. on, importantly. Well, yeah, just about. <laughs> and But this all comes four days after we get into our first final under Solskjaer. So, a, a, just a, a, a good week. Yeah, a good week. Uh, you know, I'm, we sh- we will do, of course, a, a much longer episode focusing on the Europa League final. But I just I don't want it to go amiss. Just how big of a moment that felt as well at the end of that game on Thursday. Obviously, we ended up losing on the night. It, it was pretty nervy, wasn't it? It, it was at, at one point. I mean. <laughs> seeing the first 10 minutes or so, even before the goal started going in, <laughs> like Roma came out like a house on fire and we really won out the races. And to be honest, we have a lot to thank David De Gea for, for, for making oh, that. Oh yeah, we should mention that. Yeah, fantastic. A slightly easier tie. He made some fantastic saves. Yeah. There was that 10 minute period. They, they'd already scored one and then they should have scored one immediately after they scored another and then they should have scored another two or three. And I don't know, some of them were great saves. Yeah. Some of them were pure They had luck. a couple like the Jekko one, I think that, literally just hit yeah. De Gea like from point and then not only range. not only yeah. hit De Gea you know, that goes in but then it comes off his leg and just squeezes past the post and you think oh my god this suddenly we would have suddenly been in a position yeah. where we're leading by two and then you're thinking wow this could be this could be 2018 Roma Barcelona all over again but it was nervy but yeah. De Gea was brilliant yeah I think he re- that was really important performance for him as well in a big game to it was very like Mourinho United that yeah, defensive really mistakes was. all over the pitch De Gea saving us and us playing badly yeah. but getting to a final was very, very kind of a few years ago reminiscent of. And it's it's just wonderful to to know that we're in our first final under Solskjaer as well. You know, like I said, we'll do a, bit, a bigger episode sort yeah. of looking ahead to that after the Premier League season is done. But just what a, what a brilliant feeling that is. And I think I came away from the Villa game as well, just feeling like, despite the fact we, we're far from a perfect team, but... It's so nice to to watch United and be so confident that we're watching a team heading in the right direction. And almost every game now, some of the football that we play going forward is unbelievably good. I mean, some of the patterns of play that we have, especially down the left-hand side with Shaw, Pogba, Fernandes and Cavani getting involved. Some of the interplay we have is so, so good. We move the ball so quickly when we're we're playing well. It's a joy to watch, honestly. I, I think... Thinking back to where we were a few months ago, I, I, I can't give Solskjaer enough credit for what he's done in the second half of this season. Well, I think a lot of it is, it, it, that is one of the big things in the last few weeks is the variation to United's play. And I think that's why it was so frustrating when the goal against Spurs was ruled out because that seemed, that, that was clearly something they'd worked on in the training ground. And then we saw it replicated, I can't remember which goal, but we saw it then replicated again. Um, maybe it was the, the Bruno Fernandes opener against Roma 
Uh, it might have been, but there is clearly we've 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 asked for it before. We wanted to see a variation in United's attacking patterns of play, and we are now seeing it. I, th- I think it's partly to do with um, the individuals on the pitch. That Pobbershaw relationship is brilliant, and it seems we somehow haven't mentioned, but they were both brilliant against Villa. Shaw's touch is so good and so confident at the moment, and it makes such a difference. Pobba was excellent as well, but I think it's partly to do with the individuals like Pobba coming back and, and having an excellent spell of form as well as Cavani becoming the main striker and that that provides so much else because before and I don't think it's, it's a bad thing to do this but before we were kind of quite reliant on that diagonal ball from the left to the right winger or to the left winger to the striker to then run on and, and if there wasn't space then we really found it hard now we are seeing some of that variety and it's partly personnel but I guess it's you, you there are some things you can only do with certain personnel if we're being generous. Um, and we were kind of waiting for, for Popper to come back because Popper, as we've always said, is the only other player apart from Bruno who can play those passes to that the, the wingers and the strikers want. Well, what, I, what um, I've really noticed recently is that having Pogba in the team as a left midfielder also allows us to play Fred and McTominay in midfield and get everything that they offer us defensively yeah but it doesn't sacrifice quite as much in going forward because we have another player on the pitch who who is very good and very assured on the ball and, and can help us build attacks. Yeah. You know, if we if you go back to having Rashford on the left, Fred and McTominay in, mid, in midfield, and then say Dan James on the right, you suddenly, we always said the problem with that Fred and McTominay in midfield, as good as they are defensively, is that they're not very good at launching us on attacks just because sort of their ability on the ball isn't quite as good as, as the likes of Pogba or even Matic for that, for that yeah. matter. But with Pogba in the team, so it's just slightly further forward, we still have that great ability to launch attacks and from Luke Shaw as well. And it means that we don't sacrifice quite as much in midfield because as great as Rashford and Dan James or Greenwood or whoever would be playing on the right are at, at sort of finishing attacks and getting us into scoring positions, because they aren't, they aren't quite as assured on the ball. They're so, such direct players. When we're trying to actually get ourselves into a good attacking position, that's not that's not their yeah. game. And so having Pogba in the team offers us another player who can do that. It, the, the balance of the team is so good at the moment. I, you know what I, I think, think it is? is how, how, the balance of the team has actually been helped massively by Martial's injury. And it would be nice to have him as an option. But yeah. it, the team, there is just it does just pick itself at the moment in a few different forms. You can go with a few different things, but you don't, you're having to leave fewer attackers out, which means you can just always have Pogba either on the left or the right, given the option. And, it, and you're having to shoehorn people into holes that don't yeah. really fit a bit less, I think. But the other thing I was going to say was, I mean, how many times, we've been doing this podcast, what, six, six years now, five years? Five years. And how many times in those five years have we sat here and said, you know, United are an okay team, but we don't have a coherent system that we play when we attack yeah. almost every week for the, for the, especially for the last sort of three years, we, we get, we did somewhat under Van Gaal, which just wasn't a very good system. But I mean, how many times in the last three years have we said that we needed a, a system of attacking football? And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's all the way there just yet, but we're getting there and we look so much more, we're not, we're not just as reliant on players as I think we were even a few months ago. We're not just waiting for Fernandes to do something great. What, what we're seeing now on the pitch is, is patterns of play that are so good. The interplay between, especially between like Pogba, Shaw, Cavani, Fernandes, Rashford, Greenwood, it, 
the movement, the quick passing, it's so, so good. And I think that is, to me, the best thing that could come out at the end of this season is to take that forward. Because to me, that is, that's the more sustainable kind of piece of attacking football that we can take into next season rather than, you know, just give the ball to Bruno 50 times a game and hope that he does something magical once or twice. Yeah, we are going to, I said we'd wrap up ages ago, but we haven't, but we'll move on to you Florida and move in a second. But the only, the, the thing about sustainability is interesting because if you, when we do look back at this United season, we will do after the Europa League final, whatever the result is, it will be quite hard to decide what United are. Because all throughout the season, I mean, results were inconsistent at the start of the season. Then they picked up some consistency. Then we dropped off a little bit. And now we're, we're coming back and we're coming back into form, but also coming back in games all the time. It's And it's hard to tell what is by design in this United team and what has kind of been a, an on-the-cuff tweak halfway through the season. And so it, it, it will. there will still be lots of questions going into next season because it's quite from a wider season perspective, it's quite hard to know what this United team is and what was planned and what has kind of been a little bit of an accident. Um, and and so that is an interesting thing to bear in mind. The final thing I'll say, and then we'll go on to youth throwing and women's roundup, and then we'll very briefly preview the Leicester Liverpool games. The I mentioned the BT Sport thing with Rooney and Rashford earlier and, and Ferdinand and Rashford was talking about how Solskjaer has been working with him and Greenwood uh, and the others about that diagonal ball over the top. And it made me think with Cavani looking like he's going to be staying, you suddenly have the option of a 4-3-3 United with Rashford and Greenwood on the right, possibly Martial, all three of whom can play that diagonal ball over the top pretty consistently, all three of whom can make that run pretty consistently, probably Rashford and Greenwood more, than, more so than Martial. And then you'd have the movement of Cavani in the middle and you'd have Cavani waiting in the box. Plus the potential option of Van der Beek, who's very good at arriving in the box late on and, and being in that space. And then suddenly you've got that option of a 4-3-3, which hasn't been quite so obvious before. But with that pattern of play where one winger diagonally crosses it for the other, that so we've seen Solskjaer's loved it the whole time, but we're really seeing it more and more now. And Rashford saying that they're working on it a lot. You do suddenly think maybe that is... Maybe that's the future of this United team. Maybe that's what Solskjaer is planning for, to have that proper number nine, two kind of wingers come strikers who play that ball between them a lot, plus a solid midfield, which we don't have at the moment. And that's the problem. The, the midfield is where you need that a change for that to be able to happen. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, that's what we've said, you know, all throughout the season, that central midfield, I think we've we've seen has become a more and more important part of, of what we need to improve and hopefully bring in players for over the summer. Now, I think that is, I said that how good the balance of the team feels at the moment and it does, but I think that the midfield is the one area where the balance could still be, I think quite significantly improved because as good as Fred and McTominay are, and they are a very good partnership, they work very, very well together. They are very clearly limited in, in, in what they can do going forward. And that isn't necessarily an issue when we have such great players around them at the moment, but you know, again, we're a couple of injuries away from Fred yeah. McTominay being the midfield partnership that is not only needed to sort of get about as much as they can and be combative and win us the ball, but also be the midfield pairing who are responsible for for putting us into good attacking positions, which yeah. they're not quite as good at. So, you know, it, it it's all a work in progress the whole the whole season, um, and so I th- I think we've cut we're we're at a point where we've 
I think we we have the most settled lineup we've probably had all all year, and maybe for two or three years before that. And now we're at a point, I think, where it's just small adjustments that need to happen. And it's about getting the right profile of player yeah. in those positions and central midfield being one of them. Yeah, I think it's why my why for me that kind of brilliant holding midfielder is my number one priority. And I know other people say uh, right winger, some people will even say centre back or right back or striker. But for me, it then gives you that option for that 4-3-3 where you have Pogba and Fernandez in front of a great holding midfielder who you can rely on. And then you have that brilliant front line of Rashford, Cavani, Greenwood with Greenwood to come in the middle and, and Martial to come in for Cavani when when necessary because he obviously won't be playing every game and perhaps not even every week next season. But we'll go to, we'll talk about this more at a later point in the season. Um, let's go to youth loan and women's roundup and then we're going to look ahead to Leicester and Liverpool very quickly. The under-18s finished their Premier League season in fantastic fashion this weekend, hitting eight past Middlesbrough. Charlie McNeil and Dylan Hugerverth both scored hat-tricks, while the other goals came from Spaniard Alejandro Garnacho and midfielder Zidane Iqbal. The under-23s played Derby last Monday, winning 6-2, and they host the Rams again tonight. We're recording Monday afternoon for reference, so we'll see what the result is of that as they wrap up their season too. A good season for the under-23s, a mixed one I'd say. A lot of high-scoring games and an entertaining team certainly. A few obvious weaknesses that we might talk more in our season review in the next few weeks. In loan news, Ethan Laird's season didn't end in perfect fashion, subbed off due to injury as MK Dons finished 13th in League One. His manager spoke highly of him afterwards, though, as he always has done in his spell there since January. I think United will be looking to loan Ethan Laird to a championship side for next season. James Garner's time at Nottingham Forest ended with a bang, the midfielder rifling one home after 17 minutes, but Forest did lose 2-1 to Preston and so finished 17th in the championship, but a fantastic spell at Forest for Garner. Facundo Palistri returned to action for Deportivo Alaves, first time he's played in a few weeks because of injury. He played 23 minutes in a 2-2 draw with Levante. Andreas Pereira was sent off late on for Lazio in a 2-0 defeat to Fiorentina in Serie A. He only came on in the 63rd minute, so that was disappointing. Ella Toon and Jackie Grunen scored for United Women in the 6th and 89th minute respectively as United missed out on a top three finish despite beating Everton this weekend. That means they also miss out on Champions League qualification even if Chelsea, who won the WSL, even if Chelsea win the Champions League, which they are in the final of. United miss out in the end by only one point and significant goal difference. Arsenal finishing third, City second and Chelsea top. Disappointing for Casey Stoney's side who called it a personal failure that the team missed out. Okay, Leicester Tuesday, 6pm, Liverpool Thursday, 8.15pm. More protests uh, expected outside of the Lowry Hotel where the United team stayed before the Liverpool game. So we'll see if that game is played. Um, I think the intention is to try and make sure it's not. So that'll keep your eyes open and your ears because uh, there will be some news I expect on Thursday evening when that uh, second protest is, is scheduled to take place. But Leicester... I expect Solskjaer will be going with almost a completely different 11. Uh, so De Gea will probably come back into the team. The concern, I think, for me is most in terms of the fullbacks, I think. The midfield is a bit of a problem, but I guess uh, basically the team I expect is De Gea, Williams, Twanzebibai, Tellez, uh, F- Fred and Matic, and then James van der Beek and Greenwood. Greenwood came off at 65 minutes, so I expect he'll play again. Rashford played the whole game, so I expect he won't. But on the other hand, he didn't play in Rome for that long. So it's quite hard to tell, but I'm expecting probably probably eight changes. 
yeah, I think effectively the Leicester game will be treated probably a bit like a League Cup game, to be honest, in very wholesale changes. I think, and to be honest, I don't know what else Solskjaer is supposed yeah. to do. We obviously haven't done an episode, I don't think, since the new schedule was announced. But I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous that the Premier League can and think unnecessary. That they, they can give us three games in five days, especially when Liverpool had, you know, there was, there was an easy way you could have done this and just move West Brom v Liverpool, which is happening this upcoming weekend, move that game to Wednesday and then put Liverpool United on Sunday or Saturday yeah. this weekend. You know, it, it just didn't make any sense uh, to do it this way, but this is the situation we're in. I, I'd expect minimum, minimum six or seven changes. Um, I think there'll be very few players. I don't think there'll be anyone actually who plays all three games, both uh, Villa, Leicester and Liverpool. I don't think there'll be anyone that survives all three. I just don't think there's any way that you can expect anyone to do that. Maybe someone will start all three if they come off sort of 45, 60 minutes, but I doubt it. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. A a chance for a few players. The problem is the team will probably be quite disjointed. Also, the problem is this because this has only kind of been announced in the last week, it's not like we've been able to have a separate team working on the training ground together, getting ready for this game. That just won't have been possible because half of the players would have been traveling there. I mean, there is no training day between the Villa game and the Leicester game. It's just a day of recovery. And Solskjaer has said he won't know it's line up until a few hours before the game because he's entirely reliant on sports scientists to tell him who's available to play and how many minutes and who is not. So it is farcical. You just hope that, we can maybe get lucky and, and get a decent result. But the, the chances are we don't. And if we don't, then okay, maybe that helps Liverpool not get into the top four and then we can go and give it all against Liverpool and, and hopefully win that game. A little hard to give predictions for this one, so I think we'll we'll stay clear of them. But it's just a, a crazy week. I mean, so many United games, even just a, as a fan, I can't imagine what it's like as a player and a coaching staff. But um, yeah, we'll we'll see how things pan out. For Jack's reactions on those games, you can find him on Twitter at at UTD Tate T A I T, and you can find me on Twitter at Harry Robinson sixty four, and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P O D at the end there, and that's where you can find out information about how to sign up to become a patron of the podcast and get bonus episodes and bonus Q and A's as well. But until Friday, when we'll probably record after the Leicester and Liverpool games, hopefully with United having secured second place and a maybe a a plucky win against Leicester and a deserved win against Liverpool is what we can hope for. Um, We'll speak to you then. Have a great week. Goodbye. Podcast Network.